Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. So has anyone ever asked you, how are you doing? And you reply, fine, even if you're anything but. Well, for a while, my response would be, do you want the truth or the socially acceptable answer? And sometimes there wouldn't be any, different, be any difference between the two, and other times the gap was as wide as the Grand Canyon. Now, honestly, I would save the truth for those who I knew really wanted to know how I was. But what if your answer is fine because you don't know there's any other option? Yes, your world isn't in the toilet, but what if it's just meh? What if you're like many people who settle because they don't know how to make things better? Well, you're in the right place. My guest, coach, speaker, and podcaster, Karsta Marie Hurd, is here to address this badge of fine. So, Karsta, thanks for coming on the show and talking about what you know, we automatic. Well, it's like we just automatically answer fine, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did it, and that, that's how I ended up here. I, I <laughs> kind of got rid of that, but we do. We, it's just sort of this automatic response. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, and then, of course, you know, when I talk with my clients, it's like, be, beware when, you know, because fine can be said in so many ways. It's like, you know, honey, how, you know, are you okay? I'm fine. Slam. <laughs> you know, it's like, here's some crazy issues. But so, you know, a big question, what actually is the matter with fine? On the surface, <laughs> I would say, and you kind of alluded to this at the beginning, right? On the surface, nothing. Mm-hmm. But here are my two biggest issues with the word fine. First, I believe wholeheartedly, just in the depths of my soul, that we all deserve extraordinary, epic, whatever big word you want, we all deserve that. Mm-hmm. For me, fine means that you have quit striving for that. If ah. you're settling for fine, if you're okay with fine, you have quit striving for whatever ideal or perfect, or I, always, I hate the word perfect, but yeah. I always mm-hmm. say like your favorite version of yourself, you have decided that you don't need that anymore. You don't need to strive for it. So, and, and you know, as we chat today, it'll kind of drill down. There's, I think, some secondary issues that go uh-huh. along with that, but that's the big overlying one, is that you just, you quit striving for anything better. Well, you know, as, as, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm recalling uh, why her name is escaping me. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, oh, M- Maria Shriver. When she did um, a graduation speech at her alma mater, she was talking about, you know, this idea of you can have it all. And her position was, you can have it all, just not all at the same time. And so I'm wondering if when people, you know, when people accept fine or stop striving, it's because maybe they're a bit overwhelmed, you know, or maybe the expectation is I'm supposed to be doing it all and I'm exhausted. So is, is, does that play into it in some way? So I hear what you're saying, 
<laughs> and yes, that could probably be one of the reasons we do. We get overwhelmed. Okay. I really like to encourage people to look within themselves and really get, and I know we're going to get to this later, so I'm not trying to jump the gun, but mm-hmm. for me, it's important. Like when I think of my definition of extraordinary, okay, it's not that I have it all. It's that I have all of the things that make me feel whole and complete. And for me, I have a, a little mantra that I strive for. It's that I'm living a simple, effortless life full of joy, abundance, and love. Sounds good to me. Where can I, I sign up? <laughs> yeah, right? Right? So for me, extraordinary isn't about doing it all. It's not about having the career and the family and the – I really believe if that's truly what extraordinary is for you, are the steps going to be a little overwhelming along the way? Yes, probably. But I was actually – extremely overwhelmed trying to create and sustain that sort of picket fence. And I, I, I always say it with a little bit of sarcasm mostly because mm-hmm. it just wasn't my thing. But mm-hmm. I, I know there are people out there that that truly is their thing, and I'm not trying to, like, rain on their parade. But when you're trying to sustain something that's not meant for you, it's not aligned with who you are, mm. it's not your definition of extraordinary – that's when you feel overwhelmed. When you're really going for what it is that brings you true joy, I've found that, like I said, yes, I have days that are overwhelming. Yes, I have tasks that are challenging, and I have things that I have to face every day that are challenging. But my life as a whole, for the first time in a very long time, I feel at home inside my skin, inside my life. Mm. And so it's not always about all. It's uh-huh. about what is your all. You know, and, and I, I really like that definition. That definition really resonates with me, um, you know, because we're different people, and to be kind of shoved into these prearranged boxes, you know, that, that I mean, we, we just came through the holidays and, and always before the holidays, I always talk with people about what, what to do when they have intrusive relatives that are asking, well, why, why aren't you married or when are you going to have kids or you know, whatever these other, you know, expectations yes. of, of people. And, you know, and it was interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody, um, a younger person about, you know, is college a necessity? You know, these, these, these ideas that we get into that, you know, we have to, and that's, you know, and um, that's why should is my least favorite word in the English language. Oh, well. And maybe, maybe yeah. fine needs to go, go right along with should because, you know, because you know, we get into these ideas and then, you know, if we want to do something different, then we have to explain it to everybody, which I actually tell people you don't ever have to explain anything to anybody unless yeah, exactly. you want to. But so is this so is this idea is this concept um, of extraordinary outstanding you making it be about you is is that sort of where accepting the fine creates problems? I don't know if that was a clear yeah uh, clear question yeah. yeah. 
so I think, yes, because when you're not pursuing, and again, I always, I'm super clear, it is your definition of extraordinary, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like for you. You know, I have plenty of friends that I have made in the online space who are, um, you know, they're just, they digital nomads, there's the word I was looking for, uh-huh. right? They literally just travel the world doing their thing, and they're, that's not my definition of extraordinary. Uh-huh. I have close friends who are, by definition, sort of that traditional picket fence sort of, you know, they have kind of that stay-at-home soccer mom role, and that is their definition of extraordinary. It really is. Uh-huh. It's not mine. And so when you're not pursuing or creating your definition of extraordinary, when you're settling for fine, what I've seen is that it creates a level, a couple different levels of resentment for us, right? We start to uh, resent rather not only the, like if we're settling in a relationship, for example, like if you're settling in a marriage for fine, you start to resent that person and, and I know you and I have chatted, it's not all about just the other person, but that resentment right. grows. Mm-hmm. I think it also, we start to resent our families, our communities, society as a whole, because we start noticing, like, why is everybody telling me what to do? Uh-huh. Right? Like, think about, think about those moments you just mentioned. Like, you're sitting at these family gatherings, and somebody's asking you, why haven't you had kids yet? And you know in the back of your mind that's not something that's going to bring you joy. And when they ask you that, you find yourself getting upset inside. You're angry that they asked you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're settling and it's creating this resentment for us, I also think it's keeping us living in this victim mode, right? Like, mm-hmm. woe is me because my life sucks. And I, I've watched it with some friends of mine. Like, they're living lives that are not bringing them joy. They know they're not, but they're not really willing to take the risks to do anything about it. And so this victim mode is like this badge of honor. They would rather sit in that, sit in fine, mm-hmm. than to have something extra. And that opens up a whole other set of like, you know, I'm sure there's unresolved traumas there and all these kinds of things. But um, so I think that that's just another layer. Well, it's interesting because as you're saying that, you know, I'm thinking about some of the standard language around relationships and marriage, which I personally don't use, but you know, that marriage requires compromise and sacrifice and work. And that to me is like, okay, that's oppositional to extraordinary. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's one of the things when, you know, when I tell people that, you know, what really going against that sacrifice and compromise kind of thing, because to me that's when resentment takes root. That somewhere right. I have bought into this story that this is the way it has to be and you know, and then and then people end up settling for less than. Um, you know, I, I, I you know I go a little crazy because I you know I was you know, I I don't actually follow this, but you know I'll, I'll eventually see like a Facebook post or a TikTok or or something that shows me you know somebody's complaining about their relationship or whatever, and and all the and all the stuff that they have to do, and it's like well why are you doing this? 
And they right. and, and a lot of times they you know it's like well because you know because I'm supposed to and it's like well who said you know who said you had to do this who said that women had to carry the emotional and mental load of relationships it's like you know, it's like you yeah. don't have you don't have to buy your your husband's family the Christmas presents or the birthday presents he's a perfectly capable human being right <laughs> it's like why are you right. taking this on right you yeah. know. <laughs> but 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 yeah, people hundred percent hundred percent. But it's almost like people don't realize there's there's another way to do this, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at, isn't it? This this idea of of you know paying attention to what's happening inside, so that if you're resentful, that's a warning sign, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, some things like if people are wondering, like, well, how do I know if I'm stable? Because really. Right. One of the problems because we don't know what we don't know. Sometimes we don't realize we're settling, right? Right. Um, we don't because, like you said at the beginning, like fine isn't inherently bad necessarily, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's just sort of this habitual response we give. So things that I was feeling when I like, and obviously this is in hindsight, but as I, I want to share this because I want people to start. I want to just bring awareness to it. That resentment was huge, mm-hmm. huge. And a lot of the examples we just gave, I resented my spouse at the time. Like I felt very trapped and in, in my mind it was his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, and this was a huge, huge one for me personally, was I had this sense, so Super quick backstory. I used to get teased by my friends and colleagues about being hyper organized, and they would like tease me about my color coded lists that reference my like Monica on Friends. I was that right. I had like you sound like my binders daughter. With the, <laughs> yeah, like the, the binders with the reference and the cross reference and the color coding, and that that was me. What I realized is that was a coping mechanism because I was every ounce of energy I had was going into keeping this house of cards that I had built around me from crumbling. Uh, so it was that sense of I have to do all of this stuff in order because if I don't, everything's going to fall apart and everybody's mm-hmm. going to know that I'm a fraud and everybody's going to know that not everything's fine. And like, it, so those were two big things for me, that resentment. I did, you know, again, in hindsight, I had resentment towards the family members because we didn't have children for a very long time into our marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think it, there's some underlying reasons I think that, but I did eventually have kids. But when people would ask, well, I haven't, when are you having, I would get angry inside. Like, yeah. it is none of your business. But, but you don't I feel like you can say I, that. <laughs> right, right. So those were two big emotions for me. Like I said, that house of cards, that was ginormous for me. It was like I had a cleaning, you know, the bathrooms got cleaned on Monday and the kitchen got cleaned on Tuesday. And if I didn't follow that regimen, the world was going to end. And and I found that that's, for me, that's my coping mechanism in a lot of areas. It's, mm-hmm. I, I've applied it, you know, I've used it in, you know, when I'm trying to get in my, with my health and my fitness or with my kids or, you know, whatever. Anytime I'm feeling like I'm holding together a house of cards, that's now a sign for me that something's a little out of alignment, something's a little wonky, and I better take a look. And, you know, and so it's interesting you're talking about this because it, re- it reminds me, and I've talked about this book before, and it got, I'd have to take a look. I probably should look. It's probably been, you know, 
20 years that this book was published. It was, it was a book called Sex and the Seasoned Woman by Gail Sheehy. And it was talking about these women who, you know, in their 50s and their 60s, who was like, it's my time, you know, I've sacrificed for my partner, for my kids, I'm now, you know, I'm, I'm now just going to, you know, focus only on me. And, you know, my yep. response to when I read that book is, you always should have been in the equation. It, it wasn't an either or. It's not either your partner or you. It's not your children or you. It's not your career or, I mean, it's like, it's and, <laughs> you know. But, exactly. but this is, like, hearing you say that, I just make my blood boil at people. And I, I was one of those people, trust me, I, I've thought that. So it's like, yeah. not to shame anybody, but it makes my blood boil that that's the society we live in where people think that. Well, I mean, and, you know, and, and I talked a lot of times to, to uh, you know, and especially a lot to women. I, I, men, men have this, but in a slight, but, but in a different way. But this idea, and I think, and I, in our very child-centric society, that we can never say no to our children, that they always have to be included, and, you know, and, and so, you know, and we can't deprive them of anything. And it's like, oh, my gosh, talk about it. And and this idea that, well, I can't do that because, you know, my children won't like it. And it's like, you know what, they'll get over it. (laughs) But, you know, this is, but this is coming from a lot of, from a lot of, you know, women who say, well, I can't take time, self-care, I can't, isn't self-care selfish? I'm like, oh my God, no, stop. Stop, (laughs) right? Yeah. That's another whole topic that we could, I could spend hours talking on. But my response to those women, and, and like I said, I was, that woman at a time in my life where I, I, I can't because of my kids. I can't because of my kids. What I have since come to learn, and I had a very powerful moment with my oldest daughter, is that there's an example that we need to set. Uh-huh. And, and I, knew, I always knew that. But when I started sort of stripping away all of those old things that weren't fine anymore and I, I – I was transitioning out of my teaching career into my current career as a coach and a speaker. Um, my oldest daughter and I were sitting on the couch one day, and I don't even know how this random conversation came up, but she said, you know, Mom, she goes, I, I just want you to know, like, I love that I get to follow you in this journey, and I get to learn what you're learning at my age, so I don't have to learn it when I'm your age. Oh, I love that. <laughs> And but, every yeah. time I every time I tell that story, I get tears in my eyes because I was in that moment. I was like, okay, there it is. Like if mm-hmm. I ever needed, you know, they always say, find your why. Like that's my why. Mm-hmm. I, I I want I, them I, to know that they get to do that and to watch both of my kids, but her in particular. Like I come from a pretty traditional suburban type family, and mm-hmm. she has bright pink hair and <laughs> eyebrow piercings and all the things and she rocks it so confidently she works at a tattoo parlor as uh-huh. a you know like she's rocking this so confidently at these you know she shows up at these family functions where most of the people there are fairly conservative and she just she just owns it and I am so proud of that uh-huh. I love it so yeah this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with fellow coach and podcaster Karsta Marie Hurd about living a life that's fine. Now, if you describe your marriage as fine or okay, 
you might be selling the possibility for something better short. It doesn't mean you have to end the relationship and start a new one. Most likely if you do that, you will end up in the same place because you'll do the same old things. But a better idea is to stop doing the things that only make it fine and start doing the things that will make it great or as you've heard today, extraordinary. So if you are ready to take your marriage from meh to good or from fine to great, I invite you to give me a call or send me an email to schedule your free five-star relationship consultation. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com, and now I want to get back to this conversation about moving from fine to extraordinary. So, Karsta, what can help someone move out of the fine and into something that fits better? I mean, I know we were talking before about this recognition that resentment is, is a good indicator that something is off, um, but what else? So I will say this. It was not my first step, but I've realized that the biggest, most important step is to take some time and really create a vision for what you do want. Because I think what often happens, and I know what happens to me, what happens to me was that I had settled for so long mm-hmm. that I was at my almost literal breaking point. And so a lot of my action, a lot of my goals and things like that were focused on this sort of desperate need to move away from what I didn't want anymore, but I didn't have a clear vision of what I did want. I didn't know what that extraordinary was going to look like. I just knew I was done with what was behind me. Uh Um, And so I always, like, when potential clients call me, the very first thing we do is a visualization exercise. It really is about tapping into, and we all have this, but we're not always willing to admit it to ourselves. We all have a vision of what we know that extraordinary looks like. And it's that vision that you get where you feel calm and you feel, like I said, at home or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever those sort of, I would say, whatever words you would replace happy with, because happy is another word that I kind of hate because it's really generic, but, um, you know, when you have, when you picture certain, you know, when you picture your ideal career, when you picture your ideal relationship or your ideal, like where you live, any of those pieces, that sense that it just sort of lights you up inside, Uh that's the vision that's going to bring you to extraordinary. It's just a matter of getting clarity on what that looks like and being willing to own it, accept it, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's a little out there, even if it's a little bit scary, because it doesn't mean you have to leap from, and you alluded to, you know, you don't have to bail on the current relationship. Uh You don't have to leave the current job. It's just embrace that vision of what that ideal relationship might look like and start looking at things that maybe you can do right now, conversations you can have, you know, things you can just do for yourself that might move the needle to bring that relationship or the career or, you know, whatever the area of your life that's not 
fixture, you know, wherever you're settling, how can you move the needle even just a little bit? Mm-hmm. And once you start seeing that momentum, it's really just, once I realized and got that clarity, it's really just been stacking those little moments on top of themselves. Uh-huh. to get myself to this place. You know, I always tell people, if you looked at my life on paper, you'd think I was a hot mess disaster, quite honestly. You know, like if you looked at the checkbook and if you looked at the, like all the things, it's like, uh-huh. how is she? But I truly am. It's been a this stacking of actions of, you know, this is who I want to be. And so this is what I need to do. And then I will have the life that I want to have. Well, and it's really interesting that you talked about um people who get caught in what they don't want, which, I mean, that's a really good place to start. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, here's what I do this. We'll stop doing that. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's that's, that's the first step. But, but a lot of times that's where people get stuck is, you know, and, and I like the idea of flipping that and taking it into, okay, so this is what you don't want. What do you want? I mean, this is when I talk with my clients, because you know, complaining is easy. Making a request for something different is a little bit harder. But that's, but that's where the power is, right? Right. And I think even in, within yourself, right, sometimes we have a hard time requesting that of ourselves because mm-hmm. we've never had it. So we don't always know how to act accordingly. So asking yourself to do something you've never done, that can be hard. And then, to ask somebody else for something, it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's extremely scary, I know. But, and that's why I know you and I have talked about this too, it does have to start with you. There is a personal level of accountability. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, you know, we often say, well, when I have that ideal relationship, then I'll be able to, you know, I don't know, do certain things, whatever that uh-huh. you might be that you think, and then I will be happy or then I will be living my And the, actually the opposite is true. If you want something different, you have to start embodying and being that version of yourself, that the one that you can see in your visions, you have to start being that version uh-huh. And then you will start to be able to do the actions. You'll be inspired to do the actions in order to have the results you want to have. And, and, and I love that. And so I think what you're kind of describing is, is where I want to go with the, with the last question is what gets in people's way of letting go of fine and embracing better? And I, before you yeah. answer that, I, I do want to address something because you talked about people moving away from what they don't want. And I've, I've discovered this with my clients. They, they want the pain to stop, but because they don't have a clear vision of where they're going, they'll get far enough, that, you know, they'll, they'll get away from the pain enough to where it's no longer immediate, but because they don't have that clear vision, they get scared and then they convince themselves that what they had wasn't so bad. Yes. So is that kind of what's Absolutely. happening? Yeah. I think, yes, I think in a lot of ways, and it, it, I think it plays out in a lot of different ways. There's the fear factor, right? Like mm-hmm. we've talked about, there's the fear of confronting it. Like you said, once that immediate pain goes away, but then I think that's where the fear comes in. Like it's this fear of pushing yourself into the unknown a little bit. Uh-huh. It's the fear of 
telling the family member it's none of their business whether or not you have children, right? There's these fears of, of confronting sort of the societal norms or what we think we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's, again, that little bit of skewed thinking in terms of, well, when I have what I think I want, then I'll be able to do the things I think I want to do, and then I can be the person I want to be. And and I think it's overcoming that to to do the opposite, like I already said, is mm-hmm. you, you have to become that person. You have to start embodying. And it's little steps, right? You can't be that person overnight. And I, I think that that could also be another challenge that right. gets in the way is that uh, we live in a society of immediate satisfaction. <laughs> and so, oh, you mean, like you're saying, I want, I want to lose 50 pounds today. <laughs> you're right. Right. Or like you said, when they leave the relationship or they get out of that immediate pain, they've gotten the immediate gratification, and so then we stop, right? Mm -hmm. Or if we want to lose the 50 pounds, we get to the point where we've lost 20 pounds, and we go, okay, well, I'm not not where I was, and that feels really good, and so now I can just go back to being who I was before. And it's, no, who who you were before got you where you were before. Mm-hmm. you need to be somebody new in order to create new experiences and different experiences for yourself. Okay, so that's really interesting because you say this and, you know, and so much comes into my head when you're, when you're talking about this. And, and so it's like, so are there steps to this, this visualization? Because, you know, it, it's hard, it's like you say, it's hard to imagine, it's hard to see yourself in a different circumstance when you're caught up in what you know. I mean, and, and I mean, and as coaches, right. we both we both know this that it's about helping move people from where they are to where they want to be. But but how do they even know where they want to be if they don't even know what that looks like? Yeah. So I'm a really really big believer in starting with tapping into the feelings, right? Okay. Um, what are, and I, I have a, a specific exercise, and I don't know, like, if any of your listeners ever want to connect, we can do that, but um, I have a very specific exercise, but it's really, really based in connecting to the feelings you want to have. Like I said, happy, I hate the word happy because it's mm-hmm. so generic, but, like, yep. I, I told you my mantra. I right. really got to a point where I realized I wanted a simple life, mm-hmm. an effortless life. I, I spent a lot of time feeling like I was overwhelmed and stressed all the time. And I just said, you know what? I want my life to be effortless. And I want it to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And I want abundance. And not just financial abundance. I want, right. you know, that sense. And so really finding those big emotions, those big sort of energy center. Like, how do you want to feel every single day? And maybe it's not a picture of, what you have or who's with you, although that is a piece of it. Uh But I think step one has to be how do you want to feel inside of your life every single day? And I know like like a lot of those are, oh, I want to be happy. Dig deeper. Uh How do you want to feel in your relationship? Do you want to feel supported, loved, cared for? Do you want to feel heard, listened to, um, safe? I don't know. So come up with some good words about and use those words as your your guide. And every time you come to a decision, ask yourself, wait a minute, is this going to make me feel, insert whatever words you want, or mm-hmm. 
is this just going to be keeping me in the same situation I'm in? And, you know, and I, and I love that idea. And, and the thing that I know you know, and I want to make sure that the listeners know, is that there are multiple ways to get to that, to have that feeling in your life. It's not like, oh, here's this one way. Because I know that when we start making changes in our own lives, it impacts the people around us. And which, you know, it, it, which I think is why a lot of people stop because they get pushback or they get confusion or they get um, you know, something that's not positive and, and life-affirming. Um, and, right, right. and I think people need to be prepared for that. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're doing anything wrong or what they're wanting doesn't work. It just may mean they need to learn a smoother way of getting it, I suppose, because I know a lot of people react, like you were talking about earlier, yeah. or I was talking about earlier, where you know, these women get so fed up, and then they throw what I, I, what I consider a nuclear device into their, you know, into their relationships, because it's not just the relationship with their partner, it's the relationship with everybody. And right. you know, it's almost, it, it, to me, it's a reactive thing, not, not a well-thought-out you know, it's kind of like I'm on the edge of the cliff and i got to push everybody away so I don't go over. But yeah. it's kind of like getting awareness before we get to that place, I guess. Yes, and I think two things. Oh, and then I just lost my train of thought. I, two things. One, it, your first choice, like you said, like launching the grenade into the relationship might not be the right answer. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. And that's going to be different for everybody. Maybe right. there's, you because sometimes it is the right answer. answer. <laughs> exactly. But I also think that sometimes those challenges, those, it, oftentimes I think, and you, you're alluding to this, is that there, it's a difficult conversation that we're going to have to have with somebody, whether it's our partner, whether it's with a different family member, whether it's, you know, whoever. Right. Usually there's this confrontation that we're avoiding, that we're afraid of, whether it's mm -hmm. whatever. But sometimes those challenges are the things you need to push through in order to become that new version of yourself, right? God, like yes. if, you, if, launch, if, if launching the grenade is not the right answer for your relationship, and truthfully only you know that inside, and whether you would like to admit it or not, you do know if that's the right answer or not. You know uh -huh. if that's the quick answer or the right answer. If, it's, if the answer is to stay, then the challenge you have to just be ready to face head on is having that difficult conversation with your partner. Like I said, my day-to-day -day life, I still have challenges. Sure. But it's facing those challenges that's creating, you know, turning me into this version of myself that I want to be. And it's, it's ever-evolving. I'm never going to arrive there. I'm just always going to be the new, you know, it's like that iPhone, right? The, what are we, version 13. <laughs> Next year I'm going to be a new version and a new version. And, and that's okay. It's ever evolving. But it's overcoming those challenges that makes it easier. Got it. Well, we could continue to talk about this, but unfortunately we, could. we are out of time. <laughs> so can you, yeah. please, can you please share where people can learn um, get in contact with you, learn more about this, you know, because I think this is a, I think this is a life philosophy and I love it that your daughter is 
you know, is you know, seeing this because that's you know that that that's my goal. I always told my kids, it's like, please don't reinvent the wheel. Please learn from what I have already learned. <laughs> you know, it's like right, you don't need right. you don't need to go through the crap that I went through. Um, yes. You know, and so so can you share that with people? Yeah, so my website is karstamarie.com. It's K-A-R-S-T-A-M-A-R-I-E.com. You can go read all about me, a little bit of my backstory and all of that kind of thing. My email is karsta at karstamarie.com. And I'm pretty active. If you're on social media, it's probably easiest to connect with me on Instagram and my, you know, find my follow me and find me in my direct messages over there. Those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. But I, you know, I would love to connect with anybody if you want to start that visualization process, um, you know, and just start creating whatever your vision for extraordinary is so that we can move you from fine into something amazing. Right. So, you know, fine actually does sound okay. Really, it does. But what if it's actually limiting? Good enough can be comfortable, but if you want better or even great or extraordinary, you will have to let go and leave your comfort zone. It can be scary, but the payoff of having the marriage and life you desire and deserve is worth it. So hopefully one of the things you will keep doing is listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.